1: Okay, we are now joined by Adam Finkelstein. He is a recruiting analyst for ESPN and the founder of the New England Recruiting Report. Adam. Good morning. Thank you for getting up early and uh, brushing your hair like we did at uh, Ian Moore hat.
0: so oh, yeah yeah, this is uh, this you know it is just you can't get a haircut these days, so this is just <laughs> so much hair it just kind of falls down. so this is <laughs> this is the best we got.
1: I know. I know. Um, all right. So let's just jump right in. Um, let's jump into the 2020 ESPN top 100. There are four guys in the top 10 um, and nine unsigned. How is the current state of recruiting? How is this affecting them? And do you think they're going to wait through the whole summer or should some of these guys, uh, should we expect them to announce soon?
0: You know, I, I think it affects the high profile kids a lot less than it does, uh, the other kids. And, um, you know, candidly, that's that's the way a lot of uh, circumstances, whether it's rules uh, typically happen. Obviously, um, the pandemic was something that that uh, none of these kids were anticipating. So um, the kids who were the kids who are uncommitted, I think there are some that are, are still weighing professional options. And, and that could be a way in which that this impacts their decision, um, because the. You know they're going to have to weigh international travel, leaving their family. We've seen some of the commitments we've seen since um, since this all started. At least in in the United States, has been more kids who are uh, opting to stay closer to home rather than um, you know to to need a plane ride to go to school. So for the kids who are considering professional options, and by that I mean professional options abroad, uh, this this could be a, a new variable in their decision making process. So. Um, you know, not just guys who are uncommitted, but even guys uh, who are committed. You know, um, Suggs, who's committed to to Gonzaga, has been very open about the fact that he's if he plays college basketball. He's going to go to Gonzaga, but he's also been contemplating the move overseas. So I think that that this is um, certainly going to be a factor in those choices, maybe not necessarily in their college choices, but as they weigh college. Um, versus pro especially when you if you do a real deep dive into how some of these various pro leagues abroad have handled this uh, which I am not an expert but I've I've, you know our Jonathan Gavoni who heads up the draft content on ESPN he's done an incredible job of documenting that on the site and so I think when those kids really dig into that it it could just add another layer of complication to their
2: decision-making processes. Definitely and and I was moving from the 2020 class. I'm looking at 2021, obviously the NABC and NCAA, they extended the dead period. And so is that going to create a, like a rush of evaluations? Is that going to a rush of offers for the 2021 class? How do you see that kind of playing out?
0: Well, I think it depends on, on when, you know, when we get back at it, um, it, If and when, quite frankly, I mean, relative to this relative to this summer, um, I think, you know, Jay Wright from Villanova uh, talked about this the other day, that it's really not impacting at least Villanova's 2020 recruiting, but it is impacting their 2000, uh, their 2021 class because they're losing opportunities to evaluate. Now, I think, um, you know, best case scenario, uh, this, this is gets under control as soon as possible. And uh, the NCA extends normal evaluation opportunities in the summer to make up for what we lacked in the spring, and it you know the co- college coaches can catch up then, and the kids don't lose any any visibility. But um, as a as someone who considers myself a bit of a protect, uh, um, I'm sorry, someone who considers myself a bit of a realist, I'm not sure how how possible that is yeah, um it's uh you know in a pandemic, it's always interesting when someone comes to your front door. I'm like, no, thank you <laughs> <laughs> um but uh the um so I don't know that that's gonna happen quite frankly, I'm not sure how much we're gonna we're gonna play um we're gonna play this summer if at all uh and I think it's very possible that the that, that two thousand twenty one class Um, Exactly how that's going to happen. I I just, I just don't, I don't think anybody knows. I think in terms of the recruits, it's going to be like a case by case basis. Yeah,
2: no. And and I think, and obviously everyone, everyone's affected in some way, whether you're a current player, whether you're a coach, whether, and and I don't know if it's a fair question to ask, who does it affect the most? But I think, I mean, in my mind, first thing that comes to mind is, is it the underrated kid that maybe doesn't have as many, like a a Jackson Hayes that in his going into a senior year, got all of his offers or, is it a coach that maybe just got crushed by a bunch of transfers and has to fill a bunch of spots? Who is, I think, and do you think at least is going to be affected the most by this?
0: So I, you know, honestly, the, the people who I think, fi- I mean, listen, you're in Long Island City, so I, I don't need to tell you this, but I, I think sometimes... Um, I think the biggest implications, obviously, and this states the obvious, but are the are the non-basketball related issues. I mean, I know of I know of multiple kids, um, college or recently graduated basketball players who've lost immediate family members, um, fathers, brothers. Uh, I know college basketball teams that have had uh, non-publicized positive cases on their rosters. Um, this is, um, so I think that the, the recruiting implications are in my mind, my hope for all, all this is that it can give some perspective, not to, you know, get on my soapbox or anything, but Uh my, my hope for all this is that it can give everybody some perspective. I had some, I had someone call me about rankings the other day. And I finally just cut them off. And I was like, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you want to talk to me about freshman class rankings. I mean, let's just let's get some perspective here. You know what I mean? So um, whether it's it's basketball or whatever the walk of life is in in recruiting, my hope is that it can it can give some people some some perspective and we can really be, um, you know, cognizant of people who. Uh, are less fortunate than we are. I mean, you guys, I mean, like I said, you're in you're in Long Island City. You're you're getting a much closer uh view and and I'm, than I am. Um but even you know even where I'm I mean I haven't seen anybody but my wife and kids for for four weeks. So it's certainly it it changes I think it changes your perspective and hopefully it reminds people what's what's really important. Um and I know that's not that wasn't the base. No, I mean, I think
2: that's perfectly well stated. Yeah.
0: Right. But the
1: freshman uh, rankings certainly do not rank high on the, yeah,
0: I can't say I handled that well either. There might've been a four letter word in there, but <laughs> I was just, I was like, come on, you know, I mean, let's, let's just like, you know, I, and, and don't get me wrong because I, I've, and, and I should clarify this because I've continued to work, like um, continuing to work. Can, I, I do think continuing to work if you're physically capable is, is an important thing to do because there's, there's obviously a ton of economic ramifications of this, which, which by the way, may be the biggest long-term impact on college basketball. Um, So I'm not saying that I'm certainly not claiming that I, that I haven't uh, continued to work. Obviously my line of work, especially in times like this is, is nowhere uh, near as meaningful in the, you know, the common good is, is, you know, what a lot of people are doing. My wife works in a hospital, Uh, my sister's on the front lines in a hospital. So, and I think everybody has those stories, you know, people who are close to them, who are, who are putting their, you know, their lives in jeopardy every day to go help people. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, those are the important stories and, and for people like me or whatever, who, you know, we work in basketball. Yeah. We're, we're trying to continue to work, um, to our, uh, do our best to promote players help kids um keep our keep our industry moving forward as best we can but to do so with uh to do so with with an idea of of you know that that there are some people who are who are really risking their their lives every day uh to help others and to save lives
1: yeah yeah perfectly stated um i'm I know off my been...
0: soapbox now that was a <laughs> sorry Um,
1: I know you mentioned it a little earlier about what the or what you're hoping NCAA does over the summer to kind of make up for everything we lost in the spring do you envision well one what do you think that looks like do we just have an open July the whole time and then do you think it actually gets to a point where coaches can't travel it's just virtual and it's all video.
0: I don't think that that is feasible. I, I don't think recruiting can be done if it's just video. I think that's to a certain extent is is what's being done now. I know that's what I'm doing. I, I've watched more film um, in the last you know it's going to be four weeks now uh, in a couple of days at least at least where I am in Connecticut. Um, so I've watched more film in the last four weeks than than I have uh, in any four week period as long as I can remember because. Uh, I haven't seen a ball bounce. You know, I mean, it's just—I can't remember the last time I went four weeks without without seeing. Um, I mean, it's it's probably you know it's been 15 years plus. I mean, the, so there's it, well, it's never happened since I've I've been coaching or in this this industry. So um, I think we're in the film stage now. Um, and but there's only so much you can do on film. The other the other thing that I think is happening right now is. Um, uh, kind of due diligence about, you know, uh, the person, you know, talking to coaches, talking to teachers, because that's all you can do. Obviously zoom, like we're using now is a lot of people are using zoom and it, it has been interesting to talk to coaches and see how each, each staff, each coach is trying to get creative and handle, uh, recruiting in this unprecedented time, how they're using zoom. You know, I've heard stories about, um, drone, uh, drone, campus tours. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard some people who, some coaches who, because they're not in the office, they're using zoom like we are now, but they're bringing in their wives and their kids and they're trying to connect with the prospective student athlete in his, his family, maybe his parents. And, and just kind of, again, kind of having some perspective about what's going on in the world and saying like, Hey, just so you know, it's not just about basketball. Here's, you know, here's my wife and kids and, and here, you know, so, um, I think there's some forward thinking schools and and this will kind of get back to uh, what you mentioned earlier. What I will tell you is that the forward thinking schools are the ones who who have been forward thinking, who are done with their 2020 recruiting class. Um, And that's a hard thing right now, because even if you were done, transfers are, are shaking it up again. But for those schools that are able to allocate time to the class of 2021, they are at a distinct advantage right now because those 2021, guys, this is a period of time where they would really be uh, in most years the focal point right now. We we'd kind of have moved off unsigned seniors and we'd be talking about the rising seniors in, in most recruiting circles, especially nationally. You know, there, there'd be, I mean, I, I tell people, um, you know, I never went to, I mean, I've been a national recruiting guy now for for a decade, I think. And, and it's, uh, you know, in, I mean, I go to Geico every year. But other than that, I mean, and most guys do go to McDonald's and, and Nike Hoop Summit. Those things are great. I've been to Jordan Brand a couple of times. But if it's a choice between that and, and the sneaker circuit, I mean, most of us have already moved on. You know what I mean? So uh, those, those juniors, those 2021 guys are the ones who are uh, right about now would be getting – um, a lot of attention and, and aren't. So it's, it's going to favor the staffs that are figuring out how to connect with them in creative ways and also how to evaluate them in creative ways.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. And obviously Paul's worked in it and coaching and in it. And recruited in it. And when I was at crossover, we would go our biggest week, at least, and least in terms of, I was like, go from the final four and then we're immediately going to EYBL. And it's, right. It's that nat- you're, okay. My April's blocked off. I get a little bit of a break. And then it's that kind of natural transition. How do you, I mean, in terms of, and I, you mentioned it like a little bit there with the transfer portal and we're seeing it even, I feel like expanded even more. You think are high majors like more willing, at least maybe in this circumstance or whatever it may be, or just in this day and age, willing to take one or two years on a transfer rather than taking a risk on maybe a 2021 kid, they might not have evaluated as well. What, how is the enhanced transfer portal kind of playing into all this? So I think the the transfer, transfer
0: portal is an interesting kind of topic because uh, so it's running at an unprecedented rate, and obviously we have a pandemic going on right now. So I think the question is, is that correlation or is that causation? And I think most most people are attributing it to correlation, and I'm, I'm not totally sure I buy that because there's a there's a big a third variable in there. And that the NCAA might change this rule and everybody's going to be, uh, there's a potential for everybody to be immediately eligible if they, if they change this rule this summer. And I think, um, I think that has a lot more to do with the unprecedented uh, rates um, than, than the current pandemic does. Where I think the pandemic impacts things is for coaches who are looking to retain their guys, they would normally have them on campus. You know, and the coaches I've talked to, that they, they said, that's, that's the challenge is is, you know, if you're at a low to mid major school and you're trying to fight off those high major schools who are, um, I mean, just to say it plainly, who are who are, you know, kind of tampering with your players all season long, probably not directly, but certainly, you know, calling the AU coach, calling the high school coach. Hey, if if Joe decides to leave, we'd be very interested. I mean, that that stuff's that stuff yeah. happens all the time. Um, you know, a couple people got um got caught with that this year, but it's, it's so prevalent. I'm not sure, you know, I mean, if you catch three or four, you miss, you know, hundreds. Um, so I think that's the challenge for those low to mid major guys. And, and in these current situation, uh, in this current situation relative to the, uh, the pandemic is that they don't, they don't have that face time with their guys every day, uh, to give them the best chance to fight off the allure of the high majors and that kind of, you know, the grass is greener kind of, uh, kind of pitch or mindset. So, um, but I do think that the transfers, nu- transfer numbers would have been unprecedentedly high, even if this were a normal year, um, for, you know, health purposes. Um, the, the, uh, to your, your question though, about, you know, how they weigh high school kids versus transfers, you know, I had, I had Pat Chambers on my podcast, um, it was like a week and a half ago now, Penn state head coach. And, you know, he flat out said, he's, he's like, you know, I don't know why I would recruit a high school kid if I can, if I can, you know, get a kid who's three years older. I mean, I think that that's the the reality of, you know, life if this transfer rule passes, I'm, you know, as it's, it's the kids who go to the school for the the same school for four years, I think are going to be few and far between because it's just, if you look at the culture of of high school and I, mean, how many high profile kids, I don't know very many kids who've gone to the same high school for four years. I don't know very many kids who've gone played for the same AAU program for four years. So if you adapt that lens uh, to the world of college basketball, I mean, it's, it's going to be like free agency every year. And I'm not, I, you know, I'm not making a, a statement about whether or not that's good or bad Um, certainly there's, there's smarter people than me who can articulate the virtues of both sides of that and and have done so, uh, especially within the the ESPN group. But I know the, you know, the, the, the reality of it is just that, that it's the high school prospects are going to be secondary because there's going to be guys who are two, three, sometimes even four years older, who are going to be immediately eligible and are going to be of more help um than most high school guys. So the high school guys are, are gonna have to kind of take a back seat. And and the ones who I think it makes their jobs extremely difficult are the low to mid major head coaches because now they're basically just, you know, if they recruit high school kids, it's almost with the um you know, it's almost like a, a farm system mentality where you you know, you come here for two years, you do well and then you, you transfer up. I think that's what the
1: Northeast Conference has essentially become. Mm-hmm. I mean Kids that get overlooked, like Quincy McKnight, um, you know, he, we grew up in basically the same town and like, perfect example, like no high major was going to touch him out of high school, he goes to Sacred Heart, he's able to do whatever he wants, he shot like 20 shots a game, put up good numbers and then boom. So I, that, the Northeast, I think that's a good way to put it. It's just become like a G League for the high majors. Cool.
0: Well, and I think that the smart the the smart coaches, the ones who are ahead of the curve, are almost using that to their advantage. And you know, you mentioned Quincy Knight, and I think um, Anthony Latino is one of those guys. I mean, you look at and not just Quincy McKnight, but Kane Broom yeah. uh, this year, EJ Anasicki, uh, and yeah. Parker. So he said four guys transfer to high majors. Now you could look at that and say. Gee, he's, you know, and and Andy Tool, Robert Morris is the same way. You know, the amount of guys that probably even worse that, that they've they've lost. Um, and I, I think what's interesting about some of those approaches is is you could kind of say, Woe is me, or you could use it to your advantage in, in recruiting and say, like, hey, would you rather have EJ Anasiki for three years, or would you rather not have him at all? And so you can say to these guys, like, hey, listen, if you are good enough come here and then we'll help you make the move. Um so that that's that I think is is an interesting now you've got to be pretty good to do that because no, this okay. is I'm gonna I'm gonna clap back on that narrative a little bit because Quincy McKnight, you know, I don't think he was misevaluated in high school. I mean I you know like guys yeah, guys like me, recruiting guys, everybody always, oh, he was underranked. He was, yeah, okay, well, he was also under-recruited then because those things always, yeah. you know, there's always a correlation between where a kid's recruited and where he's ranked.
1: Yeah. Um, and no, because- and we talked about that on another podcast too. So, like, let's say that narrative, you, you're, you're spot on. The narrative that all these people missed on all these kids that eventually transferred to high major is just wrong because if they, let's say, Quincy that goes to Seton Hall right away, He's not going to play for a
0: year no. or two. Yeah, maybe then, he gets – And then is he, he going to develop? If he's not playing, is he going to develop? That's the – I mean, it's like saying – it's like saying, um, you know, toss a, a 15-year-old kid into a into a high-level prep school game. And, okay, if he's – you know, if he's Alex Caravan, maybe he can do it. And if not, he's going to sit there until he's old enough, physically capable enough to do it. There's a big difference between – you know, what a kid's body looks like at 18 coming out of high school and what it looks like at 20 after spending two years in a, in a college weight room. So I think that's the, um, you know, I think that's the, the important distinction is that it's not that it's not that these guys were, well, I think it's important to not, you know, profile the, the, the whole group or make, make, uh, big statements about them. But I think in most cases, it's not that these kids were underrated or under-recruited. It's that, you know, they they needed a, a year or two or three of extra physical development. The other thing I'll tell you, too, um, I almost tweeted this the other day, but I stopped myself. Like, having putting up numbers at low to mid-major programs does not mean necessarily that you're going to be a successful guy at the highest level. I mean, there's just as many guys transferring down. A lot of whom on their second trip after transferring up who just couldn't cut it and, and, and there's, you know, couldn't play the way they wanted, didn't have the ball in their hands to the same extent, didn't have the same kind of volume, um, to work with. And so, you know, Quincy McKnight is interesting because he really bought into that defensive uh, mentality and made that his identity. There are other guys who are, who are used to making most of these guys, uh, who put up numbers, uh, as underclassmen at low to mid major schools, have done so with a lot of freedom and volume and then they're not going to have that to the same extent once they they get to their next spot, if they're transferring up. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: let's say with the transfer portal and your two part question, your opinion, who has won the portal uh,
0: thus far and what the heck happened with Patrick tape? (laughs) Um, you know, I, I don't have any inside information on, on Patrick tape. I think that it's, um, I, I think that some of the rumors that you see on so in social media is the worst, like it really is the worst. So I, I tried it, but I thought, I thought it was very interesting. The timing to say he committed, then he decommitted because he was getting ready to commit to Syracuse. And then Alan Griffin commits to Syracuse and then he goes back to Duke. So whether or not there's any validity to that or not, I have no clue, but it was a very interesting theory. It was put out. And I forget who, who put that, who put that out there, but it was, you know, it was enough at least the, the sequencing of it was enough that made made me wonder from afar, because as I said, I have no inside information. I said, hmm, I wonder if that could have could have uh you know, had some validity to it. Um but again, I have I have no inside information on, on uh on Patrick Tate. Who has won it? Um I I don't you know, I, I think that when you look at how I mean Almost every prominent program, not, well, a lot of prominent programs have gotten impact players, Duke, Louisville, Arizona, UConn. I think the UConn one is very interesting because not only did they get Tyrese Martin, um, but Tyrese Martin, according to what I've heard, is is willing to sit out for the year, um, regardless of how the rules change. So that, that kind of gives him an X. Ex- and this is a guy who is you know, physically more than ready for the highest levels of college basketball already, but it gives him a year to really kind of harness his craft a little bit. Um, so I think that's a really interesting one. I think, um, you know, the guard that Louisville got um, from, Johnson. Yeah. from Radford, I believe, that that's a really interesting one. Yeah. Um, and so it's um, – but, you know, again, I, I think that some – it's it's hard for me unless you're sitting there studying synergy and I think uh, I think it was Justin Young who made this point on social media the other day that um, a lot of you know people who are assessing transfers are just looking at the stat sheet and saying oh this kid put up 25 and 5 he must be a great player but the context is important did he come from a good team you know was he was he inefficient? Were they empty stats? Is he the guy? Is he the guy who who puts up numbers on a bad team? So, um, I'm a big proponent of evaluating uh, recruiting kind of retroactively, which I know is ironic because we very rarely do that. But I think the same can be said for for transfer recruiting as well. I don't think we're going to know until we see the fit. But but so far, it's it's programs like Louisville and Arizona. UConn, Duke, who've all, who've all gotten, um, you know, and there's plenty of others who've all gotten important um, additions from guys who should be able to, to come in and, and impact the team as soon as they're eligible.
2: Yep. Um, go ahead, E. Yeah, no. So lastly, I kind of, and kind of on that same note, and we, what we've seen at least uh, coaching carousel, I'm going to say non-existent, but especially at the high major level, not a lot of movement and really mid a lot less than what we typically have seen. How is that changing kind of the recruiting process? Are guys, at least from you saying, are they pitching it? Hey, this is, we're in for long. Even if they haven't gotten extension, I'm, I'm here, I'm good. What is that affected? How is that affected recruiting with guys really not, not a ton of movement up or down?
0: Well, I think that's a very clear consequence of, of kind of the economic ramifications of this sure. coronavirus. Um, you know, so many of these, and and frankly, it's not going to be just colleges. I mean, obviously it's going to be all kinds of institutions and and businesses, but uh, I I think the economics of prep school basketball are also going to change pretty substantially um, just as a, as a side note. But I think that, um, you know, relative to the coaching carousel, I think it was very clear whether it was, whether it was economics or whether it was just the uncertainty of the times schools were, were less willing to make changes um that were widely expected to happen and probably would have happened um in a in a more typical year um i'm you know i i i come from a coaching background I, I still kind of you know uh view what i do through that lens as much as it's possible um and so for me that that's been you know a small silver lining in all of this that the guys get another chance and and they get you know again had pat chambers on the podcast last week he talked at length about the, the opportunity he got from his administration to, to build this and to take the time to, to build it. Um, and I think that's, that's really, really important, but you know, how that impacts recruiting, um, as, as, uh, is like, listen, if you're on the hot seat, doesn't matter how many years, like you get another year, you're, they're negatively recruiting against you all the time. And that, that's one thing like, so again, you know, whether it's somebody uh, saying something about rankings or stuff like that, I had somebody like I tweeted uh, last night, OB top won one um, player of the year, and I tweeted the podcast. I was like, hey, here's a look at how we, uh, you know, how we got there. And I had somebody, you know, some, some, uh, somebody on Twitter was like, it's as if rankings and stars don't mean anything. I was like, yeah, that wasn't at all the, the point of the podcast, but good to see your negativity hasn't, hasn't been impacted by all this. <laughs> um, so I, I, think that in, and to that point, like negative, it's not like we're going to get this, this, um, clash of, of conscience and people are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop negative recruiting now. Uh, so that's not going to happen. They're just, I mean, listen, I'm not going to name the guys in the hot seat. That's fortunately, I'm that's not, uh, what I'm asked to do, but, um, those guys are, are going to have to answer that next year, just like they did this past year. um, guys who are still in that quote unquote hot seat. And I think the new hires, you know, one of the, 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 when you talk about the carousel, one of the really interesting ones has been Rick Patino coming to Iona in the literally, um, blocks away from where the, uh, the coronavirus outburst was in Westchester County. And, you know, basically saying like, okay, I've got to recruit you know six or so guys here but I'm not on campus I can't bring anybody on campus they've never met me in person and I've got to get this done and basically I'm just you know so that that was a fascinating kind of recruiting yeah. story amidst this backdrop of of the coaching carousel and the coronavirus
2: and he put it together I mean just like that it is it was pretty it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. And, and, and there were, I, I think they threw a lot of stuff on the wall and they basically said like, hey, you have an opportunity to play for a Hall of Fame coach, but you can't come visit. And if if you're not ready to to move, we understand, but we've got to move on. Yeah. Um, and so they they worked really hard right off the bat. They identified a lot of guys. And while they got a lot of commitments, I think they targeted a very wide group of guys because they knew they had to build that roster out as quickly as possible.
1: Um, all right. So I don't even know if you heard, but just a fun one. If you had to pick under your head, um, who wins the national championship this year?
0: This year? Oh, I don't. I. You know, it's funny. Um, so we we usually do a uh, a poll um, with my like my old college buddies and our wives and stuff like that. And everybody complains every year because I'm the quote unquote expert and have all this inside information. And I've never won it. And and literally. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and literally one year it was my my college roommate's wife who won it, and and the basis for her picking uh, her choices was, um, like, which mascot she she liked the best because she literally knew nothing. Um, So, I mean, I probably would have been on TV saying, like, I don't, you know, Duke or Gonzaga or or, or one of those, or Kansas. or um, But I think the, you know, the fun thing and and the sad thing about, about losing uh this year was that no one knew and i think there were legitimately 16 plus teams who could have who could have made a run um i mean we we've it's probably more than that we've seen it so many times over the years guys who had no business being in the final four who ended up getting hot or getting certain matchups or um so i I mean i'm not gonna lie to you i got no clue um and it's it's too bad it's too bad we're not gonna see it it would have been would have been a lot of fun
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. I think most years there's like three to six teams that everyone's like, yeah, two of them will be in the final four. One, yeah. Is win it. And this year it was like it can be Dayton to Duke. To, I mean, there was uh, Michigan on-
0: State. I think was another one that was going to be more dangerous than their ranking. But that, I mean, I pick Michigan State every year, thinking I'm smarter than everybody else, and inevitably, like a third of the people in the in the pool pick Michigan State. and yeah. Like I said, it's like you know. My college roommate's wife, who's like, "Oh, that's a cool mascot." And yeah, I'll pick that one. I, I owe her ten bucks. So,
2: <laughs> just saying, that, I lost. I think I would lost like four years in a row to my wife, just because every year I would pick Virginia to go either go to the final four or win it, and it finally took Virginia winning to actually get over.
0: <laughs> oh, you didn't give. At least you didn't give up on him. I, that's I, that's I, dedication I, right there. I, I had to. I had to stay steadfast. But that's good for you. Good for yeah. you. So,
1: so we'll yeah. end on this, Adam. I don't know if you've seen it. I hope you have. But have you seen the scheme?
0: Um, so <laughs> I didn't watch it. I remember somebody, I, I didn't watch it. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I you, think, obviously
1: you know enough about it. Uh, yeah. It's
0: one of those things too. Like, I'm not going to watch the fiction when I know the nonfiction behind it, you know, and I, I don't know Christian Dawkins, but I, but I obviously, I don't know him personally, but I obviously know this landscape and I know how it works. And I know what happened goes, goes, uh, goes on behind closed doors. And it's, it's not like it was a, from my understanding, it's not like it was a documentary where no one was paid. Um, and, no. and so there's, there's clearly, um, you know, there there, yeah,
1: people, a-
0: people have a, are, you know, have a uh, perspective that they're trying to, uh, to get across. And that's so, all. So I didn't watch it because it was, I, I probably should have just to be aware of what, everybody's external opinions of our industry is, but I I my opinion of it was that um for those who are aware of how the industry really works um on the inside level, that it, it wasn't gonna reveal anything and would probably just um you know present a little bit of a of a skewed view of it. And from from what I've heard, that's that's basically what, what happened. Yeah,
1: I mean I think for people that understand it or have even just an inch of knowledge into the world it was not surprising i think my my big takeaway was i cannot believe the fbi wasted all that time you know like look whether or not however you feel about dawkins or adidas or whoever was involved that's fine people can be upset and and you know purists of the game that are watching this like oh my god not my school it's like yes your school they every you know but the FBI to come and have that press conference and be like, we have your playbook and we're coming after you. And then zero,
0: like, well, that's like, it's like, do you watch the show, uh, show billions with Paul um, Giamatti? And I mean, it was just like, like, I mean, it was like they were going for a big public score. And so it was, it was, um, and listen, there's so many, there are so many relevant um, subplots off that investigation. The fact that these, that some of these assistant coaches ended up in jail yeah. um, relative to what happened to other people are involved. There's all kinds of implications, um, race implications mm-hmm. that that should be explored in that, that, that aren't. Um, and among other things, I mean, the amount of injustice that, that went on in that process it, on so many different levels is, yeah. is a, is a joke. So, um, I, I will, without, you know, thankfully zoom limits our time here. So I, I won't, you know, that's a whole nother long, uh, topic here, but, but what I, what I will say is that, um, I mean, this is, this is my standard line about high major recruiting. Um, the, the first piece of information that any high major coach tries to find out when they are recruiting a prospect is what kind of deal is it? Is it a straight up deal or is it a buy deal? And, um, that's been how it's worked for as long as I've been involved. Everyone is trying to figure. Well, what are they looking for? You know what's and and sometimes that can change. Um, you know what what can start as a straight up deal can can turn. What's, what can less often, but what what starts is you know somebody's got their hand out uh, can can turn. Um, so what I tell people when I talk about that is they said, "Does this happen all the time?" I said, "No, it doesn't happen all the time." Uh, does it happen sometimes? I said, yes. And, and usually, you know, the teams teams are pretty set in, in which of those two categories they operate in, you know, how did, how do they recruit? That's pretty well defined. And it's also pretty well known in the industry. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm certainly not going to get into saying who's who, and, and I don't think, I don't think most people will, but you know, it also doesn't take a, uh, it also doesn't take the scheme to, to figure you know, to figure it out if you're really paying attention.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. All right. Well, before we get cut off from Zoom, um, Adam, thank you again for coming on. really appreciate it. And
2: uh, stay safe. Stay healthy.
0: Yeah, you guys, too. You guys,
2: too.
1: Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup, of pulls. Lush, up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney in the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.